Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Real Feels Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm host Drew. I'm William. It's a runner. Uh, Nathan. I'm uh, Jack <laughs> Abraham, and I haven't been called Laddie since I took the King's Commission. Oh, shots right. fired. Pugnacious. Right Pug off the bat to uh, Mr. Dudley. Whew. I know. He's going, you're going <laughs> into Uncle Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we are the Rufo's Podcast. We bring you a different movie of a different genre, fortnightly. But guys, this is a special episode. This is our very first Patreon chosen movie for season three, Return of the Fields. Mm. And, and it gets, uh, uh, it's an older code. It's interesting. But it checks out. It's, it's definitely, I it's was definitely about to pass them. Code. Shall I hold them? No, let us review it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Drew, uh, so, whose Patreon is this? Oh, this would be my father. My father. Grandpapa. Grandpapa. <laughs> this is his favorite movie of all time. There is no debate, no ifs, ands, or buts. It was quite frequently watched when I was a child. Uh, I think we went through about two, at least two VHS tapes because he watched it constantly. And it is 1981's Chariots of Fire. This is a story of two men who run. Not to run, but to prove something to the world. They will sacrifice anything to achieve their goals, except their honor. received unanimous critical acclaim. Majestic, masterful, triumphant, and joyful, says the Los Angeles Times. The New York Times calls it rousing and invigorating. ABC TV says you'll be riveted, enthralled, and you'll cheer like crazy. It's for everyone, says Newsweek. And the New York Daily News promises it will lift your spirits to a new high. Chariots of Fire. I think when you think of like slow motion time in anything, in like TV and in film, do you think of m white men running in white outfits along the beach? That one uh, got mud on him. No, Lord <laughs> he Lindsay. Mud. Lord Lindsay had mud all over him. But I mean, I think you think of like that song from Chariots of Fire for slow motion. You think of probably like yeah. Bullet Time from The Matrix. That 
you know, the the sound of like I mean, so many things come to mind, but definitely the music, the main theme from Chariots of Fire has to come into play. I want to talk real quick about some of the other composed music that was in there that was not the main theme. Could have easily have been uh, cut out of Blade Runner. Like it had oh, yeah. that 80s sort of like synthesizer. Right at the end, the, the last race before they They're actually They're going to leave you one hand yeah, no, that, like, there's definitely some tears in the rain. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, this is a, this is a, I think it's an interesting choice. We definitely always want to go for, you know, feels here on Real Feels. This is not specifically hitting any one of our uh, genre list choices. But like I said, this is definitely, uh, if not one of probably my dad's favorite movie. And I mean, okay, so you got director Hugh Hudson. It was a movie for five and a half million dollars. Opening weekend for the US, at least it made $68,000. And you're like, eh, maybe not so much. Cumulative worldwide gross, $59 million out of a five five and a half million dollar budget. Because China was watching this like all the time. (laughs) They're like, oh, that's a missionary. (laughs) I don't think China cared. I don't think so either. (laughs) France hated it. France was not happy with it because they kept referring to the French as, they were called, they called them the frogs and like, like unscrupulous types. Like they were going to cheat. Listen, dear ball, we just can't go to the frogs hat in hand. <laughs> uh, I I don't think unless Drew, you've added a chit to Bilbo grab baggins that that says specifically Dad's favorite movie. Without his pick of this, this this probably never would have gotten covered by us. I don't think so. I don't think any yeah. of us would have chosen Chariots of Fire as I mean, like a like we've already had historical biopic because Jack did. Braveheart. The most historically inaccurate historical <laughs> the most biopic. historically inaccurate historical it biopic. Happens. I mean, anything else that this probably could have gone to might have been like a sports film. Uh, I mean, heck, Nathan could have done this for a religious by all means. But I bet he won't. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet he wouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, like, no, none of us would probably would have chosen this like at all. But that's why we have, you know, Patreons. They get to choose what they want to watch. So Nathan, I had been, I had seen this once in like uh, freshman or sophomore year of uh, high school, the, like a substitute teacher put it on because the real teacher was on vacation. And we watched this pretty much the entire week. That was the last time I saw it. This was a first time viewing. Twas. I feel bad. I feel like every time in our podcast, it, like I'm either like, oh, I watch this all the time or this is a fir- I'm a virgin. Like wh- I have very few in between where I'm like, oh, yeah, like I've watched this. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> but no, how you, I like you picked Station Agent. I had never seen that before. I know. Oh, I've never seen Station Agent. So this movie, the first watch, uh, as I told Drew, I was not I was not impressed. I did not understand why it won four Oscars and uh, was nominated for another like 19 <laughs> awards. Yeah, like I, I could not give more like care to it the first time. I just wasn't really my heart wasn't into it. Second watch, much more, got much more out of it. Still have some some problems with it. It's a lot of white person privilege uh, problems. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can't race on Sunday. 
Like, <laughs> this is the Olympics, bro. Like, they, they don't just cater to Christians just because you want to keep the Sabbath holy. Like, this is real life. Like, if this, if this movie would be made today, crazy. This movie could get nuts with drama. But the conflict in this movie is not It's very that. subdued. Yeah, it's, it's so, re- like, big world issues. This is much smaller, like, oh, I'm a Jew and they don't really like me that much. A pugnacious right. Jew. Uh, to me, this felt like a, um, you know, it's a good period piece as far as the costuming and the set, Mm -hmm. but it just, it felt like a sort of a boring episode of Downton Abbey. Like there wasn't that, like uh, there wasn't any, any juicy drama, like, you know, Lord Lindsay didn't sleep with, uh, I thought he was going to be gay with Abraham or, you know, he's a (laughs) fagla or something like it just, I, I don't know. I, I and I don't fault your dad for his choice. You know, it no, certainly is a competent film. <laughs> it's a it's a best picture winner. But <laughs> I think in this day and age, the relevance of it feels a little dated. Dated, maybe missed. That you know, let's watch three rich white boys, three three to four rich white boys, and their issues with running. It's very dry subject material. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I don't necessarily pro- would see it as predominantly like as anything kind of like a, like a white privilege kind of thing. I mean, I think it's stemming more to the idea that it's standing up. It's standing up for one's morals. Yeah, but the virtues. only issue they had is that these three, four rich, privileged white boys have problems while they're running, but none of these problems are really that groundbreaking or really that surmountable. No. Exactly. My point. And it's the idea, I mean, it's it's almost like subtle, but it's brought up in his face quite often. It's not like, you know, shouted to the rooftops like, oh, you're a Jew. We're not very fancy of this. We don't really favor your kind exactly, but we're going to deal with it. And then you have Eric Lytle's character who... All he all he wants to do is run, and he all he wants oh to do is God. run. God, all right. Did anybody else, <laughs> Nathan? Did you lose your shit when Eric Lytle was running? Little was running the last one, and they just show his head back, like ah, ah. <laughs> the power it of Christ, run for me, Christian soldier. <laughs> oh my God! But that's what it is. You have two. Okay, the, like the two focuses of the film. Harold Abrams, who's trying to prove himself to show that his religion shouldn't matter. And then his foil, Eric Lytle, who's trying to show that his religion, religion is all that matter. matters. Right. And but he and that's exactly what he's doing. But there's I mean, no resolution the, between the two. No, exactly. No, 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 no. Because Harold is still butthurt about everything because Harold comes in second. Harold is always coming in second. But Harold also gets the girl. Yeah, but he, he won at the end with the help of Bilbo Baggins. God rest his soul. Right. Uh, uh, Ian. Ian. But, but, but everybody comes out of those Olympics with a gold medal. No, um, Lindsay no, only um, Audrey, uh, silver. Uh, Aubrey does the not. characters yeah, uh, that mattered. The and Aubrey, yeah, basically Aubrey Little and Abraham, they, they, they come out of those with gold medals because they ran non-competing events. Yeah. Like, I, I thought, I think there was missing, like, a scene right at the end, you know, before they go back to the funeral that is, like, you know, 
it's almost like, and uh, stick with me here, it's uh, just the Justice League movie. It's almost like Superman and the Ooh. Flash having that Ooh. race at having the end. one last like, race. Hey, let's just, like, or like maybe until he went to China, like they had a few, you know, just... You know, and he won some, and Abraham won some, like something else. It was just, it was just sort of like the end of uh, Dances with Wolves. It's like, and Eric Winter went to China as a missionary and died. <laughs> I am your friend. <laughs> I am not afraid. Not to talk on no one. The Christian can be friends with the Jew. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's not that they weren't friends at all. I mean, you have one character who his entire thing is like, I will run and I will run for God. And when I'm done with this, like, I'll go continue my work for God. You have Harold who's constantly had to defend himself because of his faith his entire life. And finally, when he wins, it's like, well, what the hell do I do now? Like, I don't get to be uppity with people. I don't get to, like, defend myself in front of their face. I can sit here and say, I'm an Olympic medal. I'm, I'm an Olympic medalist. And you can, like, fuck right off. I mean, that's really where he is now. But he constantly has to stand from this loner, outsider kind of displacement. One of the things I did like was uh, the Master of Trinity uh, was uh, John Gilgud. Uh, yes. He was one of the the three pillars of Shakespearean acting in the in the 20th century. Uh, is sort of looking down in the most polite way possible on Abraham's uh, his way about going about things and his sort of his Jewishness, if I may use mm-hmm. the term. But he was he was publicly outed and arrested for homosexuality in the 1950s. Thought it was going to be the end of his career, but managed to to keep his following. He played Julius Caesar in. Julius Caesar with uh, Marlon Brando and uh, and all those guys. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting that he was playing sort of the the antagonist of you know we don't like what you're doing around here. It just seemed like a, 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 a interesting term turn of phrase for a character with his history. Well, and I and I do think that it is the irony and the biggest of hypo- hypocrisy where they have a problem with his Jewishness, and then at the end when you know the uh, the manservant comes in and brings the paper and says, "Sir, he did it," and then they look at the paper. And they're all like, huh, I always knew he would. And then they put the paper down and they go about their business. And it's like, you gave him so much shit for like, one, you're Jewish. We don't really like you. Two, you're running. Oh, and you're Jewish. We don't really like you. Oh, you hired a trainer. Oh, it must be because you're Jewish. We don't like you. They should have shown more more conflict or more persecution. It just yes. seemed it, it was it, everything was done very politely. It's not like well, it's it not like very, um, everything was done very British. Well, it's not like <laughs> oh, what's that uh, Brendan Fraser movie from the nineties? Uh, oh, uh, school, the school ties. School ties. Yeah, it wasn't where, like that's that. Where Brendan where, Fraser was Jewish, where yeah. they gave him awful, awful. Is that the one where, like, in his room, it's like spray painted, and he's like cowards? Yeah, no? exa- in yeah. the rain. Ah! Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of like uh, V coming out from the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think it definitely could have, you know, you're right. I think there could have been a little bit more drama because really like the only true drama that you're finding is in very few instances in the film. Like the sister confronting Eric Lytle saying, you must come to China. You must continue your work. Yeah, I think you are relying on running too much. And the first time sister that she's wife, doing this, I got to run. Oh, my God. I just like I'm watching you. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. You're so annoying right now. And then Abraham, like, they love. <laughs> but going back to her, she gets very like high on when, like, when, like, when he talks. She's very and, like, high and mighty. Like, no, she's just like, oh she- yeah, we are. Like, look at us. We're, but like, 
very latching on to him and relying on him to like talk and to to be this like very influential character and she loves it she gets off on it whenever he talks like anything religion right. she's like yeah yeah it's all about jesus like i mean like the tell the whole me plan. about the sacrament <laughs> <laughs> it's palatable. Tell me. <laughs> like the whole plan is like it's like this is the family business. Like go tell Chinese people about Jesus. And I mean that was probably like the plan. Like we're going to go back to China and we're going to spread God's love and all that jazz. And then he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to go run in the Olympics first." Heathen. I mean, she gets like so holier than thou and like points a finger at him and he's like, "God made me fast." Like, let me run. So, when they showed the little, uh, towards the end of the, the end of the movie text, like, Eric Little, you know, went to a missionary in China, it was a missionary in China in 1946 and, you know, died in the occupation or, or something like that, or just, he died around that time. He died in an internment camp. I just think of Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, where, you know, two boys have been found rubbing linseed oil into the score corporate, which was gifted to us by the Corporation of Sussex to commemorate those who gave their lives to keep China British. <laughs> Is that terribly insensitive? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Well, that's I mean, what I'm known for. That's what you're here for. Eric Lytle's life when he actually did go back to China was, I mean, probably for him, very much fulfilled. Like he spread his missionary work when it became occupied China from the from the Japanese and they took over the area that he was in. He was put in an internment camp. Eventually he died from a brain tumor that he had. Churchill managed to get a re get away from him to be, you know, shipped back to uh, England, and instead, Eric Lytle sent a pregnant Chinese woman that was in the camp in his stead. Like, he sacrificed himself again. I mean, for him, this it was probably a very fulfilling life, but... Now you bled with little... Yeah. Now bled with I, I was me. thinking more that his, his remains would be sent back in a box marked with communist or Japanese characters, and they just show a scene where it, it, it scorches itself off the box while in the background here, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Close your eyes! Avert your eyes, Marion! Give it up for uh, for Alice Cringe. Yeah, yeah. There's some Star Trek alumni in this. Watch mm -hmm. uh, your future. Ben then, Cross yeah. played ben Cross uh, played uh, Sarek and the the in reboot. The, in the reboot, yeah. So, and then we've got uh, the Borg <laughs> Queen, yeah. Alice Cringe. That's what that's what I'm talking she about. She was the Borg Queen in uh, in uh, First Contact. Yeah. Drop that line. Yes. Watch. Sorry, your I'm not. End. I didn't. I'm not even. I didn't even like recognize the face. Yeah. Now that makes damn. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for for uh, listeners at home. I just blew on my arm hair like she does to Data. <laughs> but Ben Cross, I so it, I knew him much more heavily from first night when uh he is the villain prince oh, malagant yeah. and <laughs> i need to rewatch that movie i have not seen that in a long long time and i'm guessing that at this point it is the hottest of dumpster it's, oh, fires it's hot garbage <laughs> and a half i mean you have richard gear come on <laughs> the heartthrob Sean Connery. Honey, <laughs> we're watching First Night this weekend. I order you now to fight? Uh, you will know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything that uh, Lord Lindsay, Nigel Havers, has... I looked for him, 
And well, he was in the Crucible. I mean, I guess he that's was in a, he was something. in a couple of things, but his his uh, filmography was pretty short. Oh no! I think Ben Cross. I also saw him in. He, I think it was the second or third Exorcist. He played the the priest in that, like the younger version of the mm. old priest. I think he went to like Egypt or something, and he was. That's where he was also the, the demon first was you know came. He from. was Spock's father in. Um, in yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, in the reboot. Yeah, the yeah, Nigel Havers, I can't... He, he seems to be predominantly like a TV actor. So, I, I mean, but honestly, that's actually not so much of a shocking thing because all of our main characters, like, this was pretty much their biggest, you know, starring roles for film. Like, these were their first leading roles. And much like the director, this was his first feature film to actually, like, you know, make. And good lord, <laughs> look at that, you won... Way, and a, way to set Oscar. the bar a little high for I yourself. Mean, I didn't look. At, I didn't look much at the director. Did he do much after this, uh, or did I mean, he, he did. easily, or, or was he like, I got my nut, I'll move on now? <laughs> you know what? I did one movie and one best I'm picture. Out. Let's. I'm a let's, master let's filmmaker. Going out, yeah, going out on top. God, he did. He did like I Dream of Africa in 2000. That's one of the biggest things that I can recognize from his little repertoire. His his things that he has. Uh, Greystoke sounds familiar, but I can't really put a pin on it. I don't know. I mean, he... I don't see a great deal. His last thing was in 2016 with Finding Altamira. And again... Maybe he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. I think so. I I, think that's what it is. And I'm convinced uh, that... that once you get to a certain stage, like, oh, Christ, who played uh, uh, Frodo in The Lord of the Rings? Elijah His Wood. name escapes. So, Elijah, Elijah Wood, Wood, he's so successful from The Lord of the Rings franchise, and he it's sort of he has more money that he knows what to do with, that he just does little stupid shit that gets his fancy anymore. Like, he did a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, yeah, he did. Where yeah. It, it, I think they came up with the premise over drinks, and they're like, yeah, let's screw this. Let's just do it. <laughs> Yeah, this sounds good. Yeah, he did a he did a remake of a horror film called Maniac, and it's just oh, it's it's not a train wreck, but it's just it's so He's weird to watch it. He's been in a lot of stuff ever since like he was a kid. He's I mean dating oh, back yeah. to like, like I mean one of my favorite things with him is The Good Son. The Good Son. Um, I love The Macaulay Good Son. Culkin. I like a very mm. underrated and not very good uh, movie called North. A lot of cameos. Woo! All right. Elijah Wood, crazy movie, Green Street Hooligans. Yes! Oh, yes! Wow. Yes! Yes! Like bubbles, like bubbles in the air. Oi, oi, oi! Oi, oi, oi! So, I mean, w- with having... You know, obviously, one of the Academy Awards going for best costuming. You had such a hard time for the actual film getting the proper costuming because there was another movie going on at the time that had taken the Edwardian type of costumes from the local that were trying to get it from it. So they had a hard time dressing some of the cast, but they inevitably did it. For the actual, like, Olympic scene, they filled people. They actually got extras for free to come and just fill those stands. They, they I mean, they fed them lunch. They even gave out like raffles at the end. Because it was an English production, did they call it luncheon? <laughs> luncheon. Not sure. Not sure. I know that one guy, um, Tea and didn't awesome. want to be there anymore. <laughs> and he, he wanted his car removed. Well, two cars were blocking it. He kept raising a fit and he said he was going to call the cops and he inevitably got his car out and he left. Well, they had the raffle at the end because, you know, they want people to stay and stay in the stands for the shots. He's the guy who won and he never claimed his prize. <laughs> And they say that that prize still sits in the stands, <laughs> waiting for his return. <laughs> but um, I love, love, love 
how the Americans were portrayed in this. You know, when they're coming off the boat and they show like one of their workout scenes and it's just like, it, it's almost like the Team America song should be playing yes! in the background. Like it's, there's just a lot going on there. And um, I really just like the Prince enjoy of Wales. That. You like the Prince of Wales coming down going like, well, if your boys lose, then how about I buy you guys lunch? I didn't bother looking it up, but I feel like the Prince of Wales from that movie played the (laughs) Prince of Wales in Downton Abbey just aged forward appropriately. (laughs) Might. Who knows? I'm not 100% sure on that. The crown. So I actually thought when I first saw it, I was like, wait a minute. Is that uh, there? There's an actor that I thought he was that I was like, wait, uh, young Rob Lowe, maybe I was like, wait, what, what, what? But then no. No. Peter Pettigrew? <laughs> Peter! There was actually no sets built for this entire uh, in movie. Like, everything was shot on site and I've, for the various locations. I've been to uh, Cambridge, and uh, Cambridge has uh, canals crisscrossing it. And uh, one of the touristy things to do is you can buy a canal tour where you get almost into like a, uh, a bastardized version of what they do in Venice with, you know, like the pole. And uh, they're almost all students who are your the pilots and the guides. And as they're pulling you through the canals that go through King's College and Trinity College, they have uh, a lot of trivia and just facts that they're, they're, they're telling about, oh, the eye on this building and you know the the windows in the cathedral at King's College were removed during World War II because they were the only existing form of that glass that's still around and then they would come up with some of the trivia where you're like I think you just made that up I think you did <laughs> that doesn't sound and right there's no one to prove it and it's just kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just sort of like you, you had a couple pints at the pub before you got on you're like sounds good buddy I don't know she has a she has a mic- mini microphone and a and a dry erase board. I can't really argue with her. <laughs> <laughs> so, a little thing about the uh, the characters I wrote down. Uh, Monty, or uh, Aubrey, as we all know him, uh, kind of a bitch. Like, kind of. In what uh, way? So, when? so when he... He was, he was trying to get up on the woman. So, and rightly so. But guess what? Bit, he yeah. had his chance for forever. And then he's like, oh... I wanted to ask her to dinner. Uh, well, you probably should have asked her, like, I don't know, three years ago? What? Come on. He's forever a yes. loser. He really is. And, and, he, and, he gandered. And really, he gandered. He is, he is. But what's really <laughs> interesting about it is that you have Harold, who envies his life, because he's all like, you know who you are. You know what your place is. You know what goals you want to strive I for. I love you. Well, yeah, but it's not like Abraham was like some like salt of the streets. Like he's no, he he's came not, from a rich ass father too. There's the old money and the new money and the aristocracy and all that. Abraham's never going to be a lord, you know. No, but I think it's the chip on his shoulder that he constantly has to carry and walk around and go like, "Oh, if people find out that I'm Jewish, well, then yeah, that's kind of going to follow me, and that's going to be a problem." And that and that was just for him and wherever he's going because it wasn't an issue at the Olympics if he was Jewish. That wasn't a problem. It was him going off to the colleges and getting this essentially like this royal like heritage heritage treatment that it's a nice thing for him to go to this college the freshman dinner was you know lavishly expensive and it was very nice but the comments of saying oh well he won't be singing in the choir or like mm, and he's an uh, excellent singer right but i mean it's the fact that like his being jewish it's almost the idea that people are and like not to quote like in bad taste, like Lincoln Park, you know, Chester, where he says, too like, soon, Drew, too soon. 
where he said, where he says, there's comfort, there's comfort in the panic. Okay. And to say that, like, it's the irrational fear that can happen so much that it's always comforting to at least know that it's there because it's the only thing that's consistent in his life because he's always second place. He's never first. Even like the one race that he has against Eric Lytle, like he's, he's like destroyed. He's, he's like fighting with his girlfriend yeah, in the he stand. Is. He's all like, I came here to run. I came here to win. And she's all like. He was ahead. There was nothing you could have done. He won fair and square. Well, that's that, Abrahams. Well, if you can't take a beating, perhaps it's for the best. I don't run to take beatings. I run to win. If I can't win, I won't run. If you don't run, you can't win. But I want to. All right. So I just had the idea to end all ideas. This movie would have been a just your dad would never, ever stop watching this film if this happened. Okay. Follow me. Follow me. Okay. Let's hear it. Yeah. I'm I'm following you. So the charm. He loves it because he went to Edinburgh and he climbed that hill. All right. That just makes it all the more better. Well done. All right. So as as, uh, Harold is running. The charm mm-hmm. that he, you know, that the that Musumi okay. gave him, the charm that he gets from uh, Sam, yeah, like this is like kind of like rattling on the chain. It's like ding, 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 and it breaks off and it lands in the mouth of the American. And he goes, ah, ah, and like he veers off course like Saboba and, <laughs> 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 and crashes. Yes, poodoo. And then, <laughs> like the pod racer sound, yeah. So the the one race that uh, Eric Little was in, where uh, he got, I think it was against the French, he got elbowed off the track. Oh yeah, and the then he fr- comes he from behind cheated. to win it. I almost oh, feel like hard. you know that's you know he's he's uh, Braveheart. He's riding out to meet them, and then he he crosses the finish line and just holds the knife behind the guy's throat, pulls off his helm. All the guy in the helm is going, oh oh, <laughs> that would have been better, but that's pure fantasy. <laughs> And quite frankly, absurd. It's it's not the best movie, but it it has definitely it definitely has moments that I was like, ooh, Academy Awards. It, that's what I mean. Like it, <laughs> four of this got Oscar. And I think back in the day, this movie probably like rocked the socks off some people. But today, it's just I don't think it holds as much. I don't I don't think it really holds a candle. Like you're right. I would say I hold it holds a candle, but like it's just okay. Ooh, but like it doesn't hold as I, much. I, oomph. I think it's yeah. Its relevance is sort of lacking in the current climate. Boom. And I mean, even even the director says that you wouldn't be able to make this movie today and still try to accomplish the different thematic elements that he's trying to get across. Like, if you try to make an anti-Semitic movie... The movie does, It's but the themes that it does have are just not that engaging right there now. There it is. Agreed. Agreed. I think and there may be I a time in the true. future where there's a revival and people can worry about rich white boys running again, but that's not right now. Segments. Awful, awful, <laughs> completely the, awful. I'm we the, sound like just the rusty wheel of that cats one. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a roll up. Seg, seg, seg. Palinor, blast it all! It's Palinor, damn you! Palinor, damn it! Segments. <laughs> Segments. All right. So the first segment is. What is a goal that you have had in your life that you personally felt was really important, but there was someone else in your life that didn't really feel that it was necessary? 
So it was uh, ooh, 2007, and actually it was 2008, and I had just finished my stint as a, a barkeep at the prestigious Hofbrau House in uh, Florida, in uh, Panama City Beach, also known as the Redneck Riviera. And uh, my living situation was pretty good where I was not paying much as far as rent, and I'd saved a decent amount of money. And so when I was getting ready to to make the trek out to California, I had a decent little nest egg stocked away, but I also got the opportunity to go with the people who own the Hofbrau House and be a guest at the uh, uh, Oktoberfest in Munich that year. And everybody I talked to, my sister, my mom, aunts and uncles, they're like, no, you shouldn't do that. You should save that money for California. Too many minds, Jack. <laughs> Too many minds, but but I went, wore my later hosen. You know, got to sit up in a tent with VIP passes and all this German beer, German food. I I, re- I regret nothing. And that was one of the few times where, where people were like pissed, like this is the wrong decision. And it wasn't like I, I wouldn't have any money when I got back. There was still plenty socked away, but hell, I'd still do that if it was yeah. possible. But I don't think there's going to be Oktoberfest this year. Or at least not in the the sense that people say, but I had the time of my life. It was wonderful. It was my first time in Germany. It was my first time abroad. So, yeah, that was it. That's beautiful. Mine was um, my first year of firefighting, and um, there was a a captain on a crew called Rincon. They were not, I wouldn't call them our sister crew. I would call them in a weird way, almost like a rival, competitively. Very uh, Harold and uh, Liddell. If you know if you you follow that captain, his name was Robbie, and he was always a jerk to me. Anytime I ever had dealings with him, he was always very belittling or rude. And I had overheard him talking with one of our captains and Jeremy Bush, and he was explaining the crew and saying, "Yeah, I think this guy is going to do really good." And you know, we got this guy; he's you know he's he's just killing it. He's doing great, and. When my name came up, and I'm over, I'm just kind of eavesdropping, and I hear my name come up, and Jeremy is, you know, hyping me up, and Robbie says, that scrub, I don't think he'll last a year. And I was like, oh, 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 really? So, a scrub is a guy who fights for fires, <laughs> that and Nathan's not going to last uh, a year. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> I want to give you my son. No. gonna get yourself and burn no no (laughs) so i remember as soon as um i could my my sawyer was not doing too well um like lungs wise he was coughing a bunch and i took the saw from him and uh like during the hike and i passed him and this was about six months later or so. Was this the moment you took up your father's mm, soul? This is, uh, <laughs> I, I cut the ring from, from Sauron's hand himself. And, uh, <laughs> I, I walked past Robbie and I just remember, like, I was, like, a pretty good, I was, like, getting it. And I didn't even realize that he was there until I was, like, ready to pass him. And I said, oh, on your left. And I passed him. And he was kind of out of breath, and he looked up at me, and I just kind of gave that, like, little, that little shit-eating grin of, like, 
You Captain America yes. to him. Yes. <laughs> That's America's ass. <laughs> you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That was my moment. Take that, Robbie. <laughs> Take that, Robbie. Mm. <laughs> so, when I, when I was 21, my brother and myself and my family, uh, we all went to Vegas. Because you're 21, let's go to mm-hmm. Vegas. Why not? So, my, my goal <clears throat> was that... I've been like practicing blackjack and I was really excited and I wanted to play the blackjack tables. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make this work. I'm going to, I'm going to do it for myself. So like, I, I think I came to Vegas with like a hundred dollars. Okay. And that was going to be my money to gamble. And Drew Went just raymans it. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, but like I went and, you know, went in with a hundred dollars. And then, like, I lost 50, and I'm like, okay, I really need to, like, I need to calm down. Let's let's walk away from the $10 tables. Let's go to the $5 tables. Hold! <laughs> and so... Hold! Inevitably, like, taking what I've, I had, like, learned from, you know, playing, like, online blackjack and learning from my dad, I came back to, like, the hotel room later that evening, like, $600, Richard. True. So, like, I had... Mind the chips. I was... I was Done. Mind the cards. <laughs> mind the dealer. <laughs> Too many mind. Too many mind. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to hit or pass? Ute! 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 But I mean, I had like taken like all of his all of his tips and tricks. Like you know, if it's below a five, like stay where you are. Let the dealer bust. If you're doing well with the dealer, if they you know switch out the dealers, you pick up your chips, you walk away. Like I taken all these things to heart, and I was good to go. I'm like, man, I'm like six hundred dollars richer. This is golden. The next morning. What do I foolishly do? I, I'm like, hey, I can totally go make some more money before we have to leave the hotel. So long story short, <laughs> I, I, loo- I leave with no money. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I, I am a fool. Because, like, I lose $100 and I'm all like, well, I still got, like, $600. I can totally make it back. Lose some more. I can totally make it back. Lose some more. I can totally make it back. I left Vegas pissed. <laughs> so pissed off. Uh, sir, you busted. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But I mean, this like, this has been a good conversation. At that, time, <laughs> at that time, like, my dad was, my dad was constantly all like, I don't, you can't, like, be careful. Like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, remember this, remember that. And I'm like, it's fine. And some of the people, like, at the tables, they would get mad at me because, like, I would just, I would just be playing for fun. It'd be like, yeah. you know, 15. I'd be all like, hit me. And they're like, the fuck are you doing? No, people oh, get yeah. pissed. They get so mad because you ruin their flow. Yep. You ruin, like, what their cards possibly would have been. And, so, like, a lot of people were against me when I was having fun, but I was winning. It would suck for them when their card wouldn't come to them. But, yeah. <laughs> this empty wallet belongs to whom the foolish ways have joined the new. <laughs> when I gamble, I want you to feel like you're gambling with me. <laughs> I want you to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm skilled in the arts of gambling and statistical chances. Uh, oh, is he? Now I want to watch Rounders and 21. 21 was good. I haven't watched Rounders in a long time. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. That'd be good. All right. Next segment. Segment two. Next segment. Segment two is like, what is a goal that you have had personally in your life where now it's not necessarily a person who thought that your goal was more important than them and they weren't necessarily supportive, but who is someone who helped you along the way to achieve Something that's that was really important to you. Mm, I read this a little bit differently. I read this as uh, someone who was a great inspiration for you and an important an important goal. Oh, 
Well, I mean, like they can be an, they can be an inspiration to you because they're supportive. Oh, well, you know, because okay. of it. That's how this, I read it. Oh, sorry. Either way, either this way, person doesn't matter. Did not know who I was. They were just a professional baseball player <laughs> named Cal Ripken Jr. And when I was young, I <laughs> the Iron Man. <laughs> I really looked up to Cal Ripken Jr. I thought he was just a really solid like human being and just a, a really good baseball player. And I just kind of aspired to be like him. My buddies used to joke and go, oh, well, he's no Mark McGuire. Ken Griffith Jr. Yeah, he's no Ken Griffith. He's no uh, Barry Bonds or, or Sammy Sosa. And I'm like, hmm, look how that aged. Daryl Strawberry. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, no. Okay. He's no Pete Rose. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could go on and on with baseball bad people. Come at me. I have no idea who these people are. Oh, poor are. Drew. That's <laughs> kidding. I don't like I don't like baseball, so I mean I know who Cal Ripken Jr. is. I know that name. But But yeah, when I was young, yeah, I that was who I like yeah. looked up to and when I played baseball, that was who I wanted to like I wanted to be Cal Ripken Jr. So So yeah. Is is this also the story about how you have a uh Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Orioles logo tattooed on your ass. You know, it's uh, no one talks about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not that I've seen your ass. <laughs> Not that you know of. Yeah, I'd have to say that um, it's my grandma Mana. We lost her back in November, but she's the one that really encouraged me to just go all out with cooking. You know, and trying new things, trying new recipes, not being afraid to to bake or not being afraid to try something a little bit more complex. Um, and she also taught me a lot about, you know, just hospitality. Like if you're going to invite people over, you need to provide them with food and drink. And, you know, it it should be something, it should be something tasty. I like her already. Yeah, I would call her, you know, every Friday or every other Friday, her and my grandpa. And I'd get to talk to grandpa for like two minutes and be like, how's the weather out there? Okay, here's your grandma. And uh, <laughs> the, the grandma would be like, so what did you cook this week? And we just talk about some of the recipes and, and, you know, some of her recipes is what I cut my teeth on. And, you know, oh, I made this really good batch of pasta sauce well what did you do do, do differently and you got to brown the meat first and then you sort of saute the onions and the garlic down i was like well after that i deglazed it with about a half a cup of red wine she's like i've never tried that and then she tried it like the next <laughs> month and she's like i deglazed with the red wine very very good oh so we always had this little sort of you know she would encourage me to open up as you know uh, an amateur home chef and um you know, the summer, last summer, the summer before she died, she told me that she was going to give me my noni, my great-grandmother's set of china, which is highly coveted in our family. And that really took me aback, and it still kind of gives me a little bit of a lump in my throat when I Aww. when I think back about it. So, Grandma Mana, you're, you're the best. Every time I, I, uh, I sweat onions and garlic and, and butter and olive oil, I think of you. Aww. When she would train you, like smelling the uh, the risotto, you lean <laughs> up your head and she go, "No, no, no, do it again!" And like, <laughs> she chip was the dishes, chip the plates. That's what Grandma Mana hates. <laughs> she was your Sam. She's like, "Faster, faster, stir faster!" <laughs> right about now, they'd be having the strawberries and the fresh cream. <laughs> I know, Grandma. I'm working overtime. I don't have time for strawberries and fresh cream. Yes, you do. Okay, okay. I find I do. 
I'll try better, Grandma. I don't mean to. I don't mean, I don't to. mean to. It's your gram. <laughs> don't you recognize your gram? <laughs> oh, and the stromboli, the stromboli will come out the clear. Because there's still recipes nice and in this world. Crispy and brown. <laughs> What's stromboli, precious? <laughs> Fermented, roll it out, stick it in the oven. Yeah, that's not as good. <laughs> oh, good God. Well, I mean, to take a, to take the note of, like, what is, like, an inspiration. So, growing up, when I was in high school, both my English teacher, and his name is Ron Brown, fantastic man, and then my drama teacher, C.J. Pope. Two fantastic people, both now retired and gone from Stockdale, but were forever, like, an inspiration for me as to, like, who and what kind of a teacher I wanted to be. Like, Mr. Brown, like, a love of literature, but also, like, one of the biggest gamers and geeks that I know. We would go over to his house and play D&D on, like, Saturday mornings, and he had, like, Dungeon Forge, like, set up all over his kitchen table, and he was just ready for us. And then you have, like, the compassion and guidance and the, the brilliance of creativity with, you know, Miss Pope and how she would direct her shows and give you confidence. I mean, like, she would believe in you when you wouldn't have even the thought of like how to believe in yourself and take on a role and just do a bunch of things. And it was just those two people that kind of like, I, I wanted to make this lovely amalgamation, this mold. And this is what I wanted, the type of educator I wanted to be. So I try to always aspire to be much like them. And I can gratefully say that like I had the experience of not only having them as educators, but at least with CJ, uh, a couple of years of having them as a coworker. And oh. so, I mean, it was just, it's, it's good memories. Did, did she ask you, and, uh, Drew, which finger holds all the teaching <laughs> power? <laughs> well, I was going to say my own. And that's the right one. <laughs> that's the right one. <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> nope. Wrong. <laughs> uh, it's going back to the no, river. <laughs> Follow the, <laughs> Follow the bird. <laughs> we. We found these teachers in the forest. <laughs> Bye. Uh, well, segment number three. You guys want to do that yeah. real quick? Yeah. All right. Segment number three. What are your favorite games to watch during the Olympics? And then uh, what are like some of the games that happen during the Olympics that honestly you either it's the last thing you would watch or you just plain don't care about? Drew, you start that one. I will definitely start this one. I will forever watch gymnastics all the time. I love the gymnastics competitions. And I and I have since I was a little kid. I mean, I don't know if it's just the fascination of watching people do truly like phenomenal things, like mind-blowing things in like my on the in rings? My kind of like Oh my gosh. Like rings, yeah. the the pummel horse, anything like that. I mean, the floor routines, whatever. I don't know if it's just again, the organization and choreography that goes into everything and literally like tons of strength. Or if it's just like I will never be able to do that. <laughs> this is fascinating stuff. But I love watching uh, gymnastics routines. Just, it's it's fun to me. It's so engaging to watch. As for as for things that like I don't care about and I never necessarily want to watch again. Gosh, like the the ribbon routines for the floor routines. 
I don't like the ribbon is routines. Still a thing? They also have like yeah, it is. They have like on the uh, random channels that like you have to find the the not so like coveted like I guess sports to watch like ESPN nine or whatever the hell it's on. They have like they have like the floor routines. They have the trampoline routines. Yeah. See, I'd like to see a, a ribbon performance or streamer streamer performance ribbon streamer oh, yeah, the performance <laughs> where it, it's you know this this like you know this russian chick walks out and she's got one in each hand and then she just connects them like darth maul <laughs> and just starts dual wielding the streamers about the floor that'd be baseball's not part of the olympics no. is it oh wait, yes it, it is yes. oh yeah, well that, then i changed my answer oh. to baseball <laughs> I don't like baseball. America's pastime, Drew says, no, thank you. Hey, you know what? You can watch your baseball. I'll bake an apple pie. Mm. I, um, I mean, there's a lot that I like. I love snowboarding. I, I really get down on swimming. I think some of the swimming competitions are really, really cool. And there's always like some that you see that are like diving or just like a random kind of event that you like tune into and you just get super interested in. You're like, Oh, come on, Gary, you got to land this shit. Or I swear to God, America doesn't get the gold. Like, you know, <laughs> you get so into, you know, canoe sail. It's all of them. You're like, wait, what? This is, there was a, yeah, there was a year like that volleyball was like insane. And I, wa- I was just trying to like focus on it all the time. Yeah. It, it's, there's a lot that, uh, it, that gets your, your fancy going, but I think that um, the one that I could uh, do without, honestly, Peloton. I'm not uh, so <gasps> I, okay. I like bobsledding because I think it's a little bit more. But like, when oh. it's just one person, oh, the one where he's just, just on his back. But that's just they're, they're just it's taunting so, fate. It's so <laughs> dangerous. Like, I made me my maker <laughs> on this slalom, but I mean, fuck it, we're going down. Nathan, it's not even a dice roll. little fluffy <laughs> doll legs just all all over the place. Right. It's it's not even a dice roll. It's 50-50. <laughs> like, it's how, we, how can you not watch that? That is pod racing, my friend. Listen to the man. Listen to Jack. So wizard, Annie. Chica Sabata, so boba. I think sometimes, I think sometimes All fencing right, um, honestly would take the cake too, because I'd be like, dude, just just start like sword fighting. Quit with this like point system bullshit. No, you but kill they are. Them. You fight to the death. <laughs> No, I know. It's a style. So I, I broke it down between uh, Winter Olympics Ooh. and Summer Olympics. Because mm. for me, Summer Olympics, a little bit more boring. I really like the Winter Olympics a lot more. Uh, so my favorite is, uh, and they're, very, they're two very different events. Anne and I, the last Winter Olympics, and I remember back watching it with my mom and my sister when I was growing up. The the couples figure skating, just because there's so much drama and, like, the b- bangly, Rock shiny and outfits. And, like, oh, he just, he just ate shit. No, you were, you were out of it, sir. No metal for you. The Iron Lotus. And it's more of, like, the uh, little bit of schadenfreude to it. Like, uh, uh, oh, triple lots. Nope, not today. Not today. Yep, yep. Uh, but... For opposite reasons, I really like watching the the winter biathlon. And that's where oh, they yeah, cross-country yeah. ski to the different shooting ranges, and they've got the specialized twenty two rifles. They've only got a certain amount of shots, and the faster you make your shots, the less ammunition you use, the quicker you can go on. Like, I just remember, because that 
that event came on at like two in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I remember being up a Friday or Saturday night at two in the morning, just like, (laughs) I don't think he's got this. Oh, but he did. (laughs) But he did. Or the last dude who shows up and everybody else is just planking away and he shows up. He's just like, can't, can't, can't. I'm moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just, I love that shit. Honorable mention to uh, downhill skiing, bobsledding, skeleton race, and hockey. Least favorite, curling. I just, I can't get into it. I know the people that do get into it love it. Like, there was, I think, a, a, an American or a Canadian women's team. Last year? Last year. And it the husband crazy. is watching from the uh, the arena, and he's double fisting pints of beer. And I'm like, that's my kind of guy right there. But the, <laughs> yeah, the sport itself, that, I just, I, I can't get into. That sport is kind of like, it's it's got momentum behind it because it's so like borderline. Yeah, it's ice bocce ball. That's all it is. It's ice bocce ball. Yeah. yeah plus, plus you, you you see like the the dude who's like terribly overweight and he's out there in like his Olympic like dungarees. Like, yeah, I'm gonna curl the shit out of this. <laughs> Uh, Summer Olympics, uh, I love the diving, uh, just because diving? I like the, the, the little bit, yeah, the competitive diving, I like the little, like the, the absence, the, the nose splash, because when I take a big dump, if I, especially, <laughs> especially in a, uh, in a porter potty, like, that dump needs to have good form. Because if it doesn't, you're gonna get the witch's kiss when the water splashes up and hits your b-hole. Uh, so there, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. By, and, and I do love the gymnastics, just like Drew. Uh, my least favorite tennis. I, I, I don't like tennis. I could never get into tennis. Two, two, two people standing across from each other in the net, hitting a ball at each other all day long. People love it. I can't, I just can't get into that it. That is my dad's favorite sport. He gets up when it's like Wimbledon time. He gets up at like 3 a.m. To start watching different Wimbledon matches. Yeah, and I, no, don't, I can't do that. Got I don't get No it. interest. I, I can no watch interest. very little of tennis, but not as much as that. Yeah, my uncle is really into tennis, and there was a match or like a tournament that was supposed to happen in Southern California during the spring. I forget what it was called, but it's it's pretty high on the list of the, the tournaments. And it got canceled due to COVID, and he was all butthurt, and I was sort of like, Cycling I don't understand, but is I'm actually like insane. <laughs> Have you guys ever watched that where they're like on the wooden, like kind of almost roller derby setup and they're just like in line, just going a million miles an hour. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they screw up and they crash, like it is brutal. <laughs> I feel like that those <laughs> oh bikes though God. should have some Mad Max shit going on with them. See, just give it a few years. Give it a few years. We're going to have rollerball. Or Ben Hur with like the like, spiked wheels like <laughs> that pop out. He's, oh, he's coming over. He's coming at you. Like in Gladiator. Flames shooting. holes. Like, <laughs> they're coming in. And, yeah. Oh, God damn it. I love it. Uh, Olympic Roman Derby. Here we well, go. Chariots of Fire. Could be, what, what would you guys rate this movie? So, Chariots of Fire for me, in this day and age, during our current climate, is more a smoldering shopping cart than a Chariot of Fire. So, I'll <laughs> give it one out of four functioning wheels. The rest are just rattling around, and one's just permanently locked, just skidding. So I'm I would sorry, give this Mr. movie um, <laughs> if this if this movie really was sorry. entering a race um, against other sports, even Olympic type movies. This would not medal. 
but I would be very grateful for it coming out. I'd be impressed that uh, it qualified and did very well uh, in its home circuit. But here in the Olympics, I don't think it's going to take it as far as as it it did back home. But again, a good movie, but unfortunately, it just does not meddle for me. So it'd be like a a four out of ten. Hmm. So I. Growing up with this movie, Tell us how honestly, you really like, feel, I saw Drew. It quite a bit, but I don't think I ever watched it fully, except for like maybe maybe one time. No, like it was on constantly in our house. But even watching it now, and I think it's very true. I think like some of the issues that are being pressed throughout the film aren't necessarily they they're not as hard hitting as they were possibly at the time, or even when it was made, or you know <clears throat> via the plot. But again, I don't necessarily find a great deal of fault with the movie, but it's not also. Uh, my cup of tea. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. It's just probably not something I would watch all the time. It gets a six and a half out of ten. Bada boom. I did like the the, uh, the training montage that they did. I liked that. That was uh, no the Between Brits. Like when the Brits are like, the, like where they focus on the Harold Americans. and Lindell are both you know doing their kind of different styles of training. But I still disagree. I would not practice running on mud flats because if you slip on that shit. You are eating mud, hard. like you are going down so hard and sliding. Are you meaning? Are you meaning on the? No. no. So when um, Lindell is is running no. and Harold's like racing the dogs and like doing the montage. Oh, when when he's Lindell, racing. Okay, when Little is the heather running yeah, down no, the hills with the heather. Uh, yeah, when he's running on gotcha. the mud flats. Yeah, you slip on that, which. I'm sorry, that's slippery, like in in itself. Why, like, why are you run run on ice? I don't know. What what else do you want to like? What else do you want to dangerously run on? <laughs> and the two movies were, you know, several years apart. But I wanted to see Eric Little running amongst the hills during his training montage, and in the background you see Colin McLeod <laughs> and the peacock just just, just sword, sword fighting, fighting in the background, just just momentarily He's dodging just momentarily. the lightning bolts. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. How or like he encounters you. the Kurg and he's like, mm, cloud. Uh, <laughs> if you can catch him, he has the power of 20 immortals. <laughs> well, that just leaves us with two weeks time. Jack is bringing us music, I do believe. The hills are alive. Music. music. With the sound of music. music. <laughs> and then... Nathan will bring us urban drama. <laughs> bah, 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 drama. Gritty, maybe. <laughs> Drew, what do you bring us after that? You know what? I think after that, I'm I'm gonna bring you guys psychological drama. I've got enough of that in my life, but we'll take some more. It's okay. It's okay. It'll be good. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. But yes. Uh, well, uh, until that time comes upon us. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure to check us out up on Facebook and Twitter. Look for The Real Phil's Podcast. We got a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Oh. That's right. We did. We have, like, amazing people uh, who out there are, who show us some who Real Phil's. I saw it on Linden Street. Why did I say Linden? Yeah, left a, left a very nice Loved review. It. Very just uh, heartfelt and warm words. Guys, we... We really love getting some love, some feels. Just come and knock on our door. We'll be waiting for you. Give us a five-star review or call the Tooch Line to Old Linden Street. Tooch like line. butter scraped over too much bread. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
guys, if you always want to call the Tooch line, by all means, we would love to hear from you. You can just dial 661-376-0030. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us how you're doing. Maybe a dirty joke or two. Who cares? Just call the Tooch line. Or, like we said, throw out those five-star reviews up onto Apple uh, iTunes. And we just be, we'll, we'll enjoy having you guys just share some love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You guys can find us all up on there to search for the Rofos podcast. And we'll see you guys in two weeks because, as always, you're the realist. And the feelist. Fortnightly. I don't want you just to be a part of the race. I want you to be in the... No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) When I run, run, I feel the Lord smiling (laughs) upon me. Run for God. Jenny, Jenny, you have to understand. (laughs) But I want to win and I didn't. (laughs) And he saw his face. Jenny, I I like running. (laughs) (laughs) 